Hey, what's up? It's Dr. Josh. And I know you've heard me talk about Clinic Gym Connect, but the power of Clinic Gym Connect is really well demonstrated in following up with patients who already know, like, and trust you. So here's two users, Dr. Carson Ani from Capital Sports Medicine and his office manager, Mark, talking about how you can use Clinic Gym Connect to follow up with your very interested, very warm clients. It's always hard to bring in new people and it's just easier to talk with the people that already know, like, and trust you. And so once we figured out that Clinic Gym Connect was a software that can really help with that, I took Mark through all the trainings and said, have at it. I wanted to contact the most recent patients that have been in. Dr. Carson showed me Clinic Gym Connect. All it was, I would go to the patient list, run a report from our EHR, tag them as a 30, 60, 90 patient. They open our dialer, send them a custom text, sends their name automatically. If they respond, great. If not, shoot them a call and had a nice voicemail feature that I could just click. And it saved me for every 50 patients, which would normally take me a few hours. I could get that done in 45 minutes. It was a personal touch that they weren't used to. And it didn't take a lot of effort on our end at all. That's how easy it is. And you can see that the 30, 60, 90 campaign is super powerful. And get this, it's already in your account when you sign up for Clinic Gym Connect. So if you're interested in following up with those patients who know, like, and trust you, and you want to do it at intervals like 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days, check out clinicgymconnect.com. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist that believes in exercise, wants to make some money, and wants to provide the absolute best care for your patients? Well, then you are in the right place. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio, where we talk about the Clinic Gym hybrid model, which is combining the best parts of healthcare with active care and fantastic exercise programs to get patients the best care they can while helping you make more money in this game. This is Clinic Gym Radio, and I'm Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure today to be joined by the amazing Dr. Lisa Thompson. Lisa, how are you? I'm doing very good. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, Lisa and I met maybe, shoot, five years ago, four years ago, something like that. At a, like that. Some sort of rotational athlete course, <laughs> so it either TPI, On Base University, or Racket Fit. I can't remember which one and where, but um, it was quite exciting. And uh, it seems like since then, you've been doing nothing but uh, treating rotational athletes, assessing rotational athletes, uh, helping out with the California Chiropractic Association, getting on political stages, raising two <laughs> kids, um, running a successful practice, um, getting certified in everything you can, and somewhere in there also finding a few minutes to sleep. Did I pretty much sum up the last four years? Yes, yes. And being a wife too. I, I got that one a little bit. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> Find time for the husband sometimes too, whenever I can. <laughs> you walk up to him. Uh, remind me your name, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I would love to dive into kind of how this journey has gone. So um, for our listeners, if I recall, when I first met you, you were, I don't want to say traditional, not a straight chiropractor, but just you weren't specializing in rotational athletes. And then you kind of got this little inkling to go after rotational athletes. And man, you dove in like head first. How did that uh, all occur? Yeah. 100%. So let's see, I, I moved out to California. It's been, I guess, 11 years ago now. And I opened a practice not really knowing what I was getting into. So I would do 
I didn't, I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know how to run a successful chiropractic practice. I just opened the doors and hoped people would come in and got on every insurance that I could, just hoping to get people in the doors and basically did whatever I could to stay afloat. Um, so that I did that for, I don't know, six years. And in, in the meantime, I also had two kids. So it was kind of mom part-time, business owner part-time. Uh, and then I took my first class with, with TPI and became part of the TPI family. And it changed everything. It was like, oh, shoot, I've, I've been doing this all wrong. I've been missing stuff. I've been, I just, yes, 100% dove right in. And now I've taken every single class I, I can with them. <laughs> That's awesome. And so when you first took, I mean, a lot of people take that TPI seminar, they're like, I want to work with golfers. I want to do this. When you went back to your practice, like, <laughs> how was it returning after that seminar? Did you go like, uh, I'm going to tear all this crap out? Or did you think, <laughs> hey, we're halfway there. We just got to make some tweaks. What, what, uh, what was kind of your initial thought? Yeah. So I, my office, I'm lucky enough where when I built it out, I have a big bay area. Uh, the plan was to have classes in there and things like that. So when I came back, uh, yeah, I slowly, I put a net up. I put it. So I treat not just golfers. I treat all athletes, a lot of baseball players. Um, but as an athlete myself, all the concepts taught through uh, SFMA, TPI, just made so much sense to me. And so, yeah, I, I put a net up in my office and I can now watch my athletes hit and throw and kick or I have hockey players come in so I can watch them too. Uh, so, yeah, it was right away. I, I dove right in and started doing some of the assessments I learned, whether it's an athlete or not, it's all useful. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I usually... I'm all or nothing. So I went in a hundred percent and it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. And now as, as here you are a few years later, what percent of your practices like the rotational athletes versus what we would consider just general pop? Yeah. So if you asked me that question, what a year and a half ago, pre COVID, my answer would be much different. So pre COVID I was probably seeing probably like 60% athletes. And then nice. I do, was doing a little bit of PI and a little bit of uh, just, uh, just general patients. Um, mm -hmm. But I had been working with some local training facilities and the word was getting out and coaches were sending me people and parents were sending me people. So it got to be a lot. And then COVID mm -hmm. hit. And mm -hmm. when COVID hit, most of my athletes were uh, high school athletes. I, I love, I remember hearing Dr. Rose say once, anybody can treat a professional athlete. I want to see you build one. And that really resonated with me. I, I love helping my, my younger athletes. So once they stopped playing, uh, a lot of them stopped coming in. I still was treating some of my higher level athletes, but a lot of the high schoolers stopped. And, and, and just for people, you're in California and basically it was mandated that youth sports had to stop. It wasn't yeah. that they were opting out of baseball. They would have played had the law allowed them to continue to play. Yes. Yes. That's, I forget that other places weren't <laughs> as strict as here. Everything was, was locked down. We were fortunate enough to stay open. We were considered uh, mandatory. So we stayed open or essential workers. Sorry. We stayed open and, but I was, it was quiet. We were only supposed to see uh, patients in extreme situations and a lot of pain, all that. So it got very quiet. I was working a couple days a week. My kids were home at, from school, of course. So it was yeah. just trying to balance all that. 
So in the meantime, I, since people are, I'm in Los Angeles, there's people still in getting in car accidents and there's still a need for them to get good quality treatment. Uh, so right now, I'm seeing a lot more auto accidents, personal injury. My athletes are, have, a lot of them have come back. I'm seeing a lot of athletes again, but it's not like it was before. So COVID kind of shifted things for me, but yeah. I can still yeah, use it's funny, you know, in the, so. in the gym business, um, you know, when you talk to, to people like Mike Boyle and, and Eric Cressy and whatnot, and all these guys, uh, it's like, everybody goes, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm only going to treat professional baseball players or blah, blah, blah. And Eric Cressy, I've heard him say like, that's all of our thoughts at the beginning. And then payroll comes up and rent and everything. Like, <laughs> And you realize you got to have general population classes. And the good news is those general population people love the fact that there's professional athletes working there, you know, yeah. but you cannot, unless you are late in your career and you, you know, like you, you have money to burn and everything's paid off. There's almost no gyms in the world that operate only treating professional athletes. Like they all have general population and then they specialize in those high-end players. So like Cressy specializes in those MLB players, but believe me, he's got a ton of the other ones, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's funny that people sometimes forget that. Yeah. And sometimes that can be the most rewarding. So it's a lot of, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love when I get a major league baseball pitcher in my office and get to watch him on TV later. That's, super rewarding also, but sometimes get helping a high school kid get to the next level is, is also just as rewarding. Yeah. So as you've done this, uh, some of your, what are some of your, you don't have to use names obviously, but what are some of your, you know, grand slams, your big, your big plays here, which, uh, which athletes you, are you the most pa- uh, proud of? Uh, two come to mind. Uh, one is a, major league baseball reliever he was in town playing the angels and he's a rookie and he came in and worked with them and it was the it was one of the first guys in my office uh that played at that level and he pitched that night and had an awesome game and it was so much fun to watch and then the next day he came in again and he offered uh tickets for me and my son to go watch that night and it was like kind of when COVID restrictions were lifting a little bit. Uh, so they didn't have a will call there. So we, my son and I get there and they've got will call or they don't have will call. And I asked uh, where it was and somebody was like, oh, well, we don't have will call right now. And I said, oh, well, my tickets are from one of the players. And they were like, oh, oh, oh. And they like opened all these doors for us and like let us through. And my son, my son's 10. Yeah, he just thought that was the coolest thing. So that was super rewarding. That was fun. Um, and then I have another player who, uh, a basketball player actually he's six foot nine the first time he came in it was, I'm only five foot four so it's fun to work with him um, but he came here from uh, he's came here on his own from Africa and got a scholarship to play in high school and he is such a good kid and I've been working with him for a little while now and now he's getting offers from like all of the best schools all over the country. And uh, so that's been super rewarding to helping him because he kind of made it out here on his own and is just working his butt off. And so that's been super rewarding. I, I can't wait to see him play at a high level college. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Um, now I know a lot of folks, again, they, they, have had similar experiences. They're in a um, kind of general population practice and then they go back and, you know, you want to do these 
athlete intakes. And sometimes it just doesn't meld with your current schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Like the time-wise and whatnot. And you've been able to kind of, uh, I know you don't like the word balance, but you've been able to kind of <laughs> implement those things. What were the major points you had to get over or what, what suggestions you have to people that do want to implement that, you know, rotational athlete assessment into a already operating busy chiropractic practice? Yeah. So one of the things I had to learn was to say no. And I mean that on many levels, but uh, I also mean I've had some people who want to come in and they want to come in right away. And if I don't have the time for it, my assessment's not going to be as good as it can be. So I've had to turn down some some athletes that were higher level that I would love to work with because they wanted to come in and I would only have a short amount of time to work with them. Like I really, it just would have been a bad look. Um, So saying no, making sure you have that time blocked off so you can do a good assessment um, at least for a first time patient, I think, but also saying no to everything else. I'm, it's something I'm constantly working on. I I've said yes to, uh, probably too many things the last couple of years, but uh, I'm, I'm getting better at it. And just being able to really block off time for the things that are important. And for me, I just, I need to plan ahead for everything. How, how long does it, does a typical first intake, you know, first visit with a rotational athlete take in your office? Um, on average, and like, ideally, if I have enough time, about an hour, I spend about an hour okay. with them and I'll charge for the hour instead of for what, what I do. Yeah. What will you condense it into if you're a little tight, like 45 minutes, but never half an hour kind of thing? Um, yeah, uh, yes, it depends. I, it depends. <laughs> yes, I, I, I can be flexible. Half hour would be really, really quick. Yeah. 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 I've been doing uh, longer assessments in our, in our uh, new clinic and we have an indoor hitting bay. So we have like a track man and a simulator and everything. Mm-hmm. So it looks the part. And the, the number one thing that's just a time suck is pe- like when people go in to talk about back pain from golf, like they want to talk golf, right? Golf is their thing. And that's who we work with. We don't work with any baseball players. We work all golfers. And it's all f- funny because I say, hey, hit a few balls because we want to get an idea what you hit like. And we use a K-Vest and we use some different assessments. They'll hit balls for an hour straight if we if we don't stop them, you know? And I'm like, do you feel like you're, you're warmed up? Ah, let me, let me hit another couple, you know, hit another couple. All right. Is that a good representation of your swing? Let, let me try something. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're not here to impress us. Like you're not here because everything's working right. <laughs> That's what, you know, the whole point is appointment. But the other day I had a guy and I didn't have anybody after him. So I was like, yeah, you can hit balls as long as you want. He stayed on there hitting balls for like 35 minutes. <laughs> and, he just, and I'm like, if you want to pay for just simulator time, <laughs> like you can do yeah. that. But the, the only advantage of that was his back was so flared up at the end of 35 minutes. It was very easy to find what was going on, um, you know, which always, I don't know, as I've worked with runners and triathletes before. And the worst case is always like, I have knee pain. It only starts at eight miles into the run or something like that. I'm like, oh, God, like it's going to be so hard to tease out. But in this guy, it was great because he flared himself up right there in the office and made it very easy. But uh, but they certainly love it. And they they love that that feeling of you know, Charlie Weingroff calls it the feeling of being golfish. Like this is very golfish, even though it's the same exercise, the same rehab, same treatment you're going to do. They want to feel like it's golfish. Uh, do you find that with your baseball players as well? They want to, as long as they can hold a bat and swing at one ball in your office, like you all of a sudden have so much more expertise. Oh yeah. And it's, 
my office is so different than so many chiropractic offices. So people walk in all the time, like, Oh, what is this? Why, why do you have a net here? Why are all these golf clubs here? Why are all these bats here? Um, so yeah, as a, especially the high school kids, they come in and they're like, Whoa, this is cool. <laughs> it's yeah. just different. And it is, it's fun. I, I, I don't have them swing too much if they're uh, hurting. So I don't get too much yeah. of that, but maybe that's a good strategy to just get them to flare up like that. So then we can pinpoint yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I've had patients that show up. I said, do you want to take some swings? Cause I want to put the cables on. I'm like, nah, I don't, I just don't feel like I can right now. I'm like, Oh, yeah. When a golfer says I can't take swings, you know, that's what we call a red flag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. Um, now I know that you are, we talked a little bit before and you said that a lot of your success comes from the fact that you, you at your core feel like a great communicator. Mm-hmm. And I, I was telling you that I'm working on a communication patient communication course because, um, some research on it because of a personal experience, but when, so, so let me set the stage here. Cause I, I'm, I'm wondering if you have this disconnect in your office, you have a male high school, college baseball player walk into your office and there's a five foot four female chiropractor and baseball is not played anywhere by females, right? I mean, there's softball, but it's just not, it's not baseball. And so like, I think it's that, it's that disconnect of like you had kids. If you walk into a male OBJON, it's like, all right, there is a disconnect, mm-hmm. right? You don't understand what I'm going through, but that doesn't mean you can't be an expert. So how have you been able to kind of gain the trust and, and bridge that gap be, between the, Hey, there's no way you ever played my sport. And the fact that it, you know, where you're coming from, it doesn't matter. I know, I know the human body, no matter what it does. Yeah. Well, I think a couple of things come to mind. One, I'm an athlete. At least I, I like to pretend I'm still an athlete. Uh, I played college soccer and I also had some injuries playing college soccer. I've torn my ACL, my PCL, my MCL multiple times. Um, and I can't help but think that if I had some of the movement assessment type stuff done when I was playing college soccer, that maybe some of that wouldn't have happened. Um, so when I can explain as an athlete, uh, different things about why certain movements are important, why things need to move, why things need to be stable, uh, then I think that helps. So that's one. Two, I think it just, it makes a lot of sense as an athlete. If I, or if I have somebody comes in, I'll, I'll just use baseball since that one's so easy to think about like a baseball pitcher. They come in and they're, especially my high schoolers, they're slouching over their thoracic spine just doesn't rotate because they're in that hunched over position all the time. When I can ex- like, physically show them and explain to them, okay, sit up straight, pull your arm back, like now move. How does that feel? And uh, I think being able to just demonstrate is a great way to get them to really understand and appreciate that. And then just, I can talk sports. I'm a huge sports nerd. So that part too is just, I, I could talk baseball all day. I could watch baseball all day. I could watch football all day. There's, I'm I'm a sports nerd. So that part too, if somebody comes in and I'm like, Hey, did you catch the game last night? What did you think of that third inning play? Whatever. It kind of throws them off sometimes. Um, but it, that's just also comes natural for me. I, I can talk sports all day. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, uh, you're unifying around something other than like the exact sport you play. Like, Hey, I played and you play and we agree that this play on, you know, on the, like I've, 
recited the the final putt of many golf tournaments to eight patients in a row on a Monday. You know, like, yeah. did you, you know, they'll come in. Yeah. Did you see Tiger's putt at the U.S. Open? I did, you know, smash cut six hours later. Did you see Tiger's putt yeah. on the U.S. Open? I did. It was incredible, you know, and it's, it's funny, but yeah, that does help, help relate. Do you also find, I remember uh, Dr. Rose, Greg Rose, who's, you know, I would call him a mentor of mine. And I know that you've had the pleasure of working with him a lot too. Um, he always says that, you know, the more tests you do, the more assessments you do on the front end, that time, let's say it takes you 20 minutes to run them through a TPI eval or an SFMA, all that time when you're asking, does that hurt? Can you do this? Can you do that? And you're assuming uh, you're watching them just breaks down the thought of this person, this person in front of me doesn't understand me, right? Mm-hmm. They want you to understand. They want you to understand how important this is to them. And when you thin slice their body into those, you know, relatively small details, mm-hmm. I think that that also helps them agree with you on your assessment. Like, Hey, you do understand me. There's no way you couldn't versus when, unfortunately, if we're not humble as providers, sometimes we say like, Oh, well, I already know what the answer is here. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Like you go into a doctor's office and you're sick or you have back pain and like ask you like one question. They are, Oh, where's your pain? Oh, okay. Well, I know what it is. And I'm like, you don't know what it is. There's no way you can know what it is. <laughs> you know, and even yeah. if you do know what it is, I don't believe you that you know what it is. So, okay. you know, uh, do you find that that time in the assessment helps bridge that gap as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, also the rapport with the parents too. I feel like since I see so many mm. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Just being able to communicate with the parents because they're the ones bringing them in and paying for it a lot of the time. So, yeah. um, the commute just when they can watch and they're like, "Oh yeah, I, I've I've told you you stop doing this when you're pitching." Like, but and then I'm like, "Well, he's doing that because he can't physically do what you're, you're telling him to do." So yeah, that a hundred percent makes a big difference. And just overall communication. We were talking about this earlier, where earlier where I was saying that I think a lot of the reason I've been successful is not because I'm I'm the best at at speaking I'm the best at treating whatever I'm, I'm good at what I do I'm proud of what I do but I communicate a lot I I hate when things are left unsaid and I think that happens so often and I think uh, sometimes we need to be comfortable having difficult conversations, but uh, just overall communication, I think, is essential. Being able to really listen to our patients, our clients, whoever it is, and uh, say things that sometimes we might not be super comfortable with, but um, communication is huge. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you're a, you're a female provider working on your own, and for those female providers out there that are want, you know, want to vault their, their professional career forward. Um, what advice would you have regarding that? Like, I mean, cause communication <laughs> in my opinion comes easier to women typically than it is, does to men. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a huge advantage rather than, mm-hmm. you know, typically women just aren't as tall and they're not as, uh, they don't have the muscle mass. Like I don't, I don't know a way to genetically get around that, but I think the communication thing and empathy, which people respond to seems to be easily easier to identify with females. Yeah. Uh, what, do you think that that was something you've just always done from the start? Do you think you learned quickly that you need to do that in practice or? Um, I think a little bit of both. Um, I attribute a lot of who I am to my dad. My dad's an awesome communicator. Uh, he, so I, I've just seen him he's been such a good role model. He's always 
uh, treated everybody with respect, no matter who they are, and just always communicates well. And even if there's kind of a situation that seemed uncomfortable, my dad was always the one that could make it comfortable for everybody and kind of break that ice. So I, I attribute a lot of that to my dad. He's, he's a great communicator. Um, and as far as advice for other females, one, I'd say, it's not easy, <laughs> um, but I think I work even harder because it is a male-dominated field. So I think that it's a disadvantage and an advantage at the same time. Um, and I would say for me, it, I just need to make sure I stay focused on my goals. Like, what is the long-term goal here? Like, it's it's hard to be a wife and have little kids and run a business and uh, be incredibly involved with the California Chiropractic Association and and just have a social life, which is important to me too. I'm a social person. Um, so it's hard. And I don't think that balance, that's what I was saying earlier, I don't really like the word balance. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever have things balanced. But if I focus on my goals and I cut out time for the things that are really important to me and continue to learn to say no to the things that aren't going to get me to my end goals, um, then it, it becomes easier. There's always hard days, but it becomes easier and it's fun. And then it's easier to achieve those goals and it's super rewarding. That's awesome. And I think that there's never been a time. I mean, uh, I've talked to in the last two years, I've talked to so many people that are like either running a, a conference or, or, or a group and they constantly ask, do you know any female, uh, you know, speakers? Do you know any any women who speak on this subject or something. And it's like the world wants, like you're saying, it's not going to be easy, but if you're willing to put in the effort, the world wants the, the, like wants women to step up and they like, there are all these opportunities to fill. It's like what they used to say. I don't think it's true anymore, but they used to say like, Oh, the most unused college scholarship is female women's golf team. You know, there's like all these unused scholarships in there. I don't think that's true anymore. I think they've all been pretty well filled, Mm -hmm. but I think that we're at that point in, in healthcare and a lot of different uh, professions and, and uh, in the educational sense where if, if women are, if they step up, there will be a, I don't want to say opening, there will be a, the opportunity will meet you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'll say uh, when I first started public speaking, I hate, hate it. I love hated it. It was almost like, since I was an athlete and I wasn't really playing soccer anymore, like the stage was my new way to kind of perform. Um, I was so nervous every time. I remember California Chiropractic Association had their sports symposium, I don't know, five years ago now. And I was asked to introduce people, just introduce the speakers, nothing major. And I was so nervous. I remember being up there like shaking a little bit and I was, I must've been too quiet because my now good friend, Dr. Sean Drake was in the back of the room and I just met him and he yelled from the back, like Lisa speak up. And I was mortified. I hated <laughs> um, That's, that does sound on brand for Sean. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went up to the, our staff running the event and they said, Hey, next time we have an event, I want to introduce a whole bunch of speakers. I hate that that made me uncomfortable. I want to do this. Interesting. And then I, that's the athlete in you. Like, Hey, I just got beat. I don't ever want to get beat again. So tell me what I need to do. Yeah. And then we, I started helping with the planning of sports symposium. And then a couple years later, 
I didn't want to speak at Support Symposium. I did a lot of the planning. I didn't want to speak. And one of our other board members came up to me, a female, and she's like, Lisa, you have to speak. And I was like, yeah, but I'm planning and it's just a big stage and all this stuff. And she said, you have to show other females that you can be on that stage with men and you Mm. can rock it. And so that really stood out to me. It really did impact me. I think about that now where there are some times where I'm not comfortable speaking or I'm, I'm not comfortable doing something because it's, uh, especially in sports, it's a male dominated uh, area. So it is intimidating. I was supposed to speak at an event uh, following Dr. Rose right before uh, COVID shut everything down. And I was part of me was like, oh, thank God I can't follow that. Yeah. But it, at the same time, it's like such an honor to be there. And if I can help show other women that we can do it, then yes, it's uncomfortable the first couple of times and it may always be a little bit uncomfortable, but there's absolutely space for it and a need for it. And men do think a little bit different than females. So a lot of females have really awesome stuff to offer. The other thing, I mean, the other thing to think about too, is I I saw, I was reading somewhere that in the eighties and nineties, that chiropractic was like 75%, 80% men. Mm -hmm. And now it's the the students in chiropractic college, at least it's like 60% women. Mm-hmm. So in a, as this goes, it's going to be a, a female dominated profession within the next, I don't know how long that cycle will take like to offset the, the male dominance, but, but I mean, in the next five to 10 years, it's going to be majority of females in the profession, you know, like nursing, for example, is a majority female profession teaching is. And, but when you look at the stages, it's like, it's not the same distribution, right? Mm-hmm. And part of it is like men like to be up on stage and, you know, women are oftentimes just getting stuff done and not, they don't need the, to brag <laughs> about it. Um, but I think that there, that need is definitely arising. And, and, uh, and so let's do this for action step. <laughs> so people listening can actually take action on this. I know that um, you, you're super busy, but what is, and this is not the end of this podcast, but what is the best way if somebody's like, Hey, I am, if there's some young female uh, chiropractor out there that's like, hey, I like what Lisa's saying and I definitely want to get on some stages, um, how can they reach out to you and get a hold of you? What's the best method for you? Yeah, probably my personal email. So it's just DRL Thompson and there's no P in Thompson. So DRLTHOMSON at gmail.com. So Dr. Yeah. L Thompson at gmail.com. Yep. There's no P in Thompson. Yeah. And are no you on Instagram or something like that? I am on Instagram as well. And that would be uh, the same. Uh, I think think it's Dr. Lisa Thompson on Instagram. All right, cool. So Dr. Lisa Thompson on Instagram, because I think that's, people should reach out and start finding that. Because uh, one thing, like you are currently in the CCA. So we'll talk a little bit of politics and whatnot. You're currently in the CCA and then you are going to be the president of the CCA. Is that right? That sounds right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And in, how long did that kind of take to come to fruition? So you're president elect right now or? Uh, yeah, I'm president elect right now. So poof, probably when I first opened my practice, so I guess it's been like nine years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't know anybody in sure. California. I'm, I'm from New York. Originally, I went to chiropractic school at Palmer, Florida. So I packed up my car and drove out to California. It's ironic because you're about 10 minutes from LACC, right? Like you're. It's like two and a half miles, I think. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, So I didn't know what I didn't know. I opened up the practice. I tried, I worked for other people for a little bit. It just, it didn't work out. And uh, so I got offered to 
uh, build out a building. So I did. And um, so I joined Cal Cairo right away because I needed help. I didn't know so many things. Um, mm-hmm. So I was fortunate enough to meet some of the local Cal Cairo. It's, it used to be CCA. We, we call it Cal Cairo now because there's a lot of different CCAs out there. Um, oh, okay. So we, I met some great doctors. They were a huge help. I was able to go on the Cal Cairo website and there was a ton of resources for things like billing, which we weren't taught enough in school and personal injury. I had an attorney send me a PI case and I had no idea what to do. Uh, so I joined because of that. And then I slowly, I became like the secretary of our local district just to help out. And then I became the president of our local district to help out. And then I ran for a board position. I felt like I, there were some things I was frustrated with. So it's like, okay, I either want to step up or step away. So I ran for a board position and to my surprise, I got it. And so I have been on the Cal Cairo board now for three and a half, almost four years, I think. And then... Uh, last year, the, the opportunity came up to run to be the next president of the association. And to be honest, it wasn't something that at first I wanted. Um, not now anyway, I've, I've got a 10 year old and a seven year old and a business to run and a lot going on. So, uh, at first it was something that I thought I didn't have time for. And then I had some good talks with my husband and, and then COVID hit and I was like, man, this this is important to me. Life is short. Like, let me just run and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so I officially um, become president of the association in November. Well, congratulations. Yeah, so it was just you. a super easy, super short tenure process. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't work hard at all. <laughs> and uh, yep. No big deal. No time was yeah. put in. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you just access the website just started showing up to stuff and people are like, Hey, that, that woman's always here. <laughs> do you need yeah. a job? Do you need, do you have any extra hours in your day? We could use you. Yeah. That's how they often go though. You know, a yeah. lot of those board positions, like sometimes people get frustrated, like, Oh, the only reason uh, that so-and-so I remember I was in, I'm in a rotary club. Right? Oh, the only reason so-and-so is present is because uh, he's friends with, you know, such and such. And I'm like, he's friends. Cause he showed up every Monday for the meeting. Like yeah. <laughs> you have shown up to like one third of the meetings and then, yeah. No wonder you're not friends. It's just like show up and then you can make those judgments, you know? So that's, that's fantastic. And so as you look off into the future, like, uh, you know, you are, you're the type of Cairo I dig, man. You're into rotational athletes. Like I think you, you support like a large chiropractors having a very large scope, um, and no need to reduce it. I kind of look at it as like there, you know, there are 50 doors that you can walk through. If you want to have a totally nutritional based practice, cool. You have the license to do that. If you want to just adjust, cool. If you want to do these high end evaluation of athletes, cool. If you want to do strength and conditioning, cool. Like there are 50 options. Let's just keep all those doors open rather than telling people like, no, we need to shut these seven doors. That's my perspective. I'm not saying that's Lisa's perspective, but that's my perspective and associations and boards. We should work to, uh, you know, should work to expand our scope and thoughtful and impactful ways. So if there's a need that we can fill as chiropractors, so sports physicals, for example, uh, who better to look at musculoskeletal system of young athletes than somebody that's taking care of young athletes all the time. You know, I mean, like the concern is movement. The concern is not infection. You know, the the concern is, (coughs) excuse me, uh, a sprained ankle and how that'll affect their ability to play. It's not, um, 
the, the exposure to a you know respiratory virus or a, or diabetes and things like that. And so when we look at when I look at it from that perspective, I think like oh, chiros and PTs should be the frontline people doing um, you know sports physicals because they're the frontline people who would treat those those things, you know? Mm-hmm. And yet in some States, it's not like that. Luckily for me in Nevada, it is like that. Like we do sports physicals. So, um, but as you look out in the future for chiropractic, what, what are some things you're feeling strongly about, or you're excited about that you see coming down the pipe? Oh, so let's see. I'm, I think it's going in a, in a great direction. I think there's so many awesome leaders out there all over the country. Mm-hmm. I'm also I'm involved with ACA also. And I, I'm just so impressed uh, with some of the leadership we have. And so I think that things are going in a great dire- direction as far as like public image, especially. Um, I know she, Dr. Sherry McAllister and the F4CP has done some awesome working always working their butts off i i love what they're doing and to have a commercial during the olympics for chiropractic like how cool is that I just, that was awesome that I, yeah. i'm glad you brought that up that was incredible i was watching with my family and we were just like jaws on the floor like it's happened it actually happened yeah. <laughs> i think just public perception is so important and with the opioid epidemic what better opportunity than to promote a drug-free method of healing. Like, I I just think there's a ton of opportunity there and and people don't want to take drugs and they see how bad it is and they see that and hopefully more and more that there are other options out there. So it's funny. I mean, typically the government is the slowest group to react to anything. Like, you know, (laughs) laws take a lot of um, time after a lot of people have been annoyed or complaining about something, which means, you know, it probably made it from the community level to the local level, city level, county level, state, and then finally federal government. But yet when you look at administration, they, they have chiropractors there and I'm going to kill my video real quick, Lisa, because uh, I just got a warning about my internet connection, but the, the VA uh, integrated chiropractic. And then when they decided to address their issue with, you know, getting guys off fentanyl and, and all the opioids, like you're saying, immediately they said, all right, go send them to chiropractic and send them to all these uh, adjunct of uh, allied health practitioners that we already have employed. And when the government is doing that, it's, you know, when they're doing that at the federal level, I'm like, oh man, that problem had to be so big and so robust. Yeah. And it tells us that there's definitely opportunity there. It just reassures Absolutely. me like, yeah. And if we can just now take it out of the VA and start spreading it around everywhere, I think we'll be, you know, the market's never been bigger for us. Mm-hmm. Now, can you, what can you do in your position about quadrupling insurance reimbursement? I mean, final question, like that's all we <laughs> need is working on it. No. Well, I will say though, part of the reason I am in my position is because I, years ago I started going up to Sacramento for uh, Cal Cairo's lobby days and I saw how, big of an impact that can have and how nobody else is going to fight for us as a profession. And there are so many things we have that aren't necessarily like a win up in Sacramento and California, but we're still protecting our rights at all times and nobody else is doing that. And so I think like, just if there people listening want to make a difference, step up like that. That's if I'm making a difference, it's because I'm stepping up. Um, there's, I have an amazing team working with, there's so many great, uh, 
people or doctors in Calcairo leadership, but so many times people are frustrated with how things are and don't want, don't like something. And it's like, well, these state associations are all just volunteers. So volunteer, if there's something people are passionate about, like you can make a difference. It's, you can, so it's, it might be work, but other people aren't going to do it for you. Um, so it, just get involved and it, it can change things. Yeah, it's it's funny, like, <laughs> you know, all every uh, 501c3 I know of that I've, I've been involved with was basically parents or, or, or family member of somebody that was affected and they worked their butt off and said, this isn't going to affect anybody else. We're going to do everything we can. And that's the only way it changes. So getting in there and just being a body in there and, you know, in the end of the day, it's people talking to other people. I mean, sometimes government seems insulated, you know, but if you're like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a hardworking Cairo and I, I hire people and I, you know, try and improve my community and I need your support to continue to do those things or X, Y, Z. Like a lot of times you'll, you'll, I've had two experiences in at NCLC or whatever it's called now engage um, in Washington, DC, like the, the one was with a Congressman and one was with an aide and the Congressman was like, I remember talking to, he was talking to one of the reps is in the room and he's like, so what, you guys can do that. <laughs> and and I, as a, I was a student at the time and I was like, what? Like as a student, I know we'd be able to do that for like 20 years. And this guy's like, wait, you, you can do that. <laughs> like, yeah. hell yeah, I can do it. So that's pretty rewarding. And then um, uh, another time talking to the rep, he's like, oh my God, my, we were talking about the epidemic of low back pain. And he's like, you know, I have an uncle who hasn't been able to work for like seven years because of a low back pain. And you could just see like, this is a human being connecting with other humans. And that's yep. all it, that's all it takes. So I hope people take your advice and, and go up and, and volunteer and participate in those things. And by the way, if you're a young provider, like in the first three years of your career, there is no better way to build a professional network than go on those trips and the amount of mentoring and advice and uh, help and connections you'll make are unbelievable. They're absolutely unbelievable. It's when people realize that you are committed to the same things they are, you know? And other chiropractors want to help you. I There's a local chiropractor here who really helped get me, a couple of local chiropractors who really helped get me involved with CalChiro, who never saw me as competition. They mm. always wanted to help. I reach out. One of them is like a mile away from my, I have a great chiropractor across the street from me, but there's so many people that need care and treatment. There's, it's not competition. The other DCs want to help. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I think that, uh, talking to you, Lisa, for the last hour, like makes me excited about what the future is like, you know, uh, I think there's so much opportunity out there and so much, so many great changes going and, uh, I think we do need to do something about insurance reimbursement and, and but besides that, everything else is like, oh, yeah. And there's never been a better time. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, Lisa, if people want to reach out once again, what's the best way for them to reach out? Uh, so again, my email address is drl thompson t h o m s o n at gmail dot com, and then I am on Instagram also at. Uh, Dr. Lisa, Dr. Lisa Thompson. I'm on Facebook also, but I get like 10 Facebook requests a day from random people. So I don't even look at half of them anymore. I've got like a thousand unanswered requests. Um, so if you do want to add me on Facebook, just write me a message. Also, let me know you're not trying to sell me something or yeah. some, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that's, that's it. Awesome. All right. Well, Lisa, this has been a slice of heaven. I really appreciate uh, uh, your time and it's exciting all the things that you're involved with because uh, when I think about all those boards and, and groups and associations you're involved with, I know that you are representing the best parts of chiropractic and I want that word to get out. So on behalf of all my listeners, let me just start by saying thank you for all the uh, all the time you've given up sleep on our behalf. <laughs> I appreciate that. And thanks for doing this podcast. You're fighting Absolutely. the same fight. It's, it's good. I, I love what you're doing and it's great to see you kind of. You too. <laughs> great to talk yeah, to you. Virtually, virtually yeah. uh, hang out together. Yeah. All right. Well, on behalf of Dr. Lisa Thompson down there in uh, my hometown of Los Angeles, California, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there and like Lisa, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. We've got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients. 